I have some really exciting news for listeners of the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Most people think lifestyle investing is about making more money or creating additional passive income streams. And while that is part of it, the most savvy lifestyle investors understand that having a solid tax strategy is fundamental and really foundational to creating wealth. I firmly believe that having the right tax strategy is the single best investment that you can make. I know tax strategy isn't the sexiest topic, but once you understand a few key elements to the IRS playbook, the compounding benefit you receive year after year is enormously significant. In fact, we have members inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind who have used these strategies and have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, millions of dollars. This is not a nice to have if you're interested in growing your wealth. This is a must. In our brand new tax strategy masterclass, I have hand-selected and shared the details of the 28 most valuable strategies to help you increase your tax savings this year and for years to come. Plus, if you want to hire a top-tier tax strategist, it can easily set you back tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And you want to make sure that you have the best, most accurate information to ensure that you're hiring the right person for you. That's why we included a whole section with advice, resources, and multiple interviews with my personal tax specialists to help you build a bulletproof tax team, but for a fraction of the cost. The entire tax strategy masterclass was designed for people like you who want to keep more of their hard-earned money without having to sift through the complicated tax code. If you're interested, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax to learn more about the course or set up a free consultation call with our team at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax. Right before Steve Jobs passed away, Steve says, you know, here I you know, have billions of dollars. I have all these scientific accomplishments and achievements. Because, and now within a matter of days, I'm going to pass away. He goes, all of these things that I focused in on did not have a lot of meaning because they'll stay behind. What's important though is my family and my relationships. And I think that foundation itself, the money will follow as you solve the problems, but don't forget the importance of, of your family and taking time for your spouse and your children. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it.
In this episode, I'm speaking to Alan Olson, who is a tax expert with over 25 years of tax advisory experience, serving some of the most influential and successful entrepreneurs and venture capitalists in the world. Alan started out as an IRS agent and a CPA, but was destined for something greater. His grit, determination, and community involvement brought him to early success and an understanding of the value of relationships. As a father of seven, Alan always prioritized family and leaned on his faith, but it wasn't until his kids went to college that he had an epiphany. He decided to share his wealth with less fortunate families and virtually bankrupt himself to fund a low-cost college tuition program for disadvantaged children. Despite the uncertainty, following this unconventional path would lead to success far beyond his imagination. Today, Alan's a managing partner at GrowCo, which is recognized as one of the top Silicon Valley CPA firms and the host of the podcast, The American Dream Show. He's a master at connecting the right people and telling their stories. In our discussion, I speak with Alan about the common denominators that make us human, why he believes problem-solving generates true wealth, not just the monetary kind, the power and importance of relationships, and the secret to creating a thriving business during challenging economic times. That and a whole lot more. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Alan has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's giving away the preface to his new book, Inside, you'll hear an incredible story about one man's journey to live life to the fullest. The story is about a man that Alan interviewed named Gary Rogers, who most notably bought Dryer's ice cream for a million dollars in the 70s and later sold it to Nestle for $3.2 billion. If you want to know what it means to live a fulfilled life, you won't want to miss the powerful advice that Gary shared before he passed away. Go get the story by visiting justindonald.com forward slash 54. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Alan Olson. All right, Alan, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for making the time to join us today because I know that our audience is just going to be so excited to hear from you and all that you've been up to. Thank you, Justin. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, you have had quite a career, and I feel like when you have success at a high level, there's so much where you want to give back. You want to kind of pay it forward, and I, I want to get into that today. And and for those that don't know you, you've had you know you've done very well in a lot of different arenas. You are a high level CPA for the ultra wealthy. Uh, you have a company called GrowCo, and you've got VCs of very well-known companies, uh, including Oracle and Yahoo and eBay and Compact and Google. You know, your firm is always recognized as one of the top firms in Silicon Valley. And so you've got quite a reputation. You and I were connected through a mutual friend, Mike Koenigs, who we both love dearly. And, you know, he's just an absolute blast, just a big ball of energy. Uh, and I just, uh, I'm excited to kind of hear, you know, how you got your start. Thank you, Justin. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that I came up through being raised in Montana. My dad was a blue collar, you know, government employee. And um, 
you know, when I, when I graduate from school, my dad says, uh, you know, Alan, if you ever make uh, more than $17,000 a year, I'll be surprised. Oh. And so <laughs> I thought, okay, game on. I'm always kind of challenged. And, uh, and my first job I took down to San Jose, I got started a little late in college, uh, you know, for the interview process. The big four had already done their hiring for the season. So I was, uh, I was interviewing with companies that had three letters in their name, the CIA, FBI, IRS, EDS. And, and finally, I decided of, of all those, the IRS says, hey, we'll give you the training for essentially a master's in tax degree and do it all on the job. So I thought, well, that, that training and education was important to me. And, and I, I, I took the job. I, I took it as a single person, not really thinking about taxes and the taxes that how they impact people's life. Because the fact of the matter is, I never really had the money to really worry about that. And so um, the first thing that, that, that happened when I came down there is uh, within the first week, uh, I met the girl that would soon be my wife. And six months later, we were married. And, and so we talked about this foundation of life and, and what it is that we, we really wanted. And I said, well, if we start with the end, Stephen Covey, starting with the end of mine, is go to the end of life and say, okay, so now that we've gone through this whole journey, what's important to us? And uh, we, we both agree we don't take the U-Haul into our casket, that money would never be a core foundation for us. It would be an enabler of lifestyle, but it would not be our foundation. So we said it would be about our family. And we agreed that we would have seven children. We were living in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the most expensive cost of living areas. I was making $17,000 a year. I was so proud of myself. I had proved my dad wrong. <laughs> I started a good job there. And so uh, we did this, uh, the, this pathway in life that it would be about the, the family, children, grandchildren, and relationships, that money would be a secondary to us. So we got married, and two and a half years into our marriage, my wife comes to me. She, was a, she had quit her job as a school teacher. We were barely making it, but she says, Alan, you need to quit your job. And I said, well, first of all, it's the only job I have, <laughs> we have, and I'm providing our support. I said, what's, what's the problem? She says, well, when I married you, I wanted friends. And I'm learning being married to an IRS agent, I have no friends. <laughs> so so you, you have to figure something else out by which you're going to provide for us so I can have friends. So uh, I ask for suggestions. Uh, what do you think I should do? She goes, well, go be a CPA. And so I switched over. And in my mindset, I am more about strategy and bigger picture where, um, you know, a, a lot of the traditional CPAs are in compliance running numbers and in it. Uh, th that didn't resonate with me as much as strategy is. I did. So I, I started at the big four and I went from a uh, staff accountant to manager in 18 months, just sailed my way through. I think they kept promoting me because they didn't know what to do with me. And I had a, a, a strong career, but I was putting 75 hours a weekend. 
Then what happened is uh, we had the Loma Prieta earthquake, 1989, the time frame where the whole infrastructure of the Bay Area went out. And I was down in San Jose, not knowing the security and safety of my family. And I said, you know, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation again where I don't know. Hmm. So I came back and um, decided I was going to revamp my career. And I took a piece of paper. I drew a circle. I said, we live right in the middle of that circle. And the circle was a half mile radius. I said, my whole life, uh, work, church, school, career, community is going to be inside of this circle. So I can walk to whatever I needed to do. So I set out on this new journey, redeployed myself, and looked at places that I could collaborate with, either existing CPA firms, or if I couldn't find it, I would build it myself. And I happened to find a, a, a small firm, been around for a number of years, 30 years. And the, the, uh, the original clients of this firm were the families uh, that helped to rebuild uh, the Marshall Plan, World War II, working under President Eisenhower, the economies of Europe and Japan. And I thought, this is, this is kind of an interesting little firm to be in a sleepy town like Fremont. And I found that these individuals were building the backbone of Silicon Valley. They helped to give Larry Ellison money to build Oracle. They built National Semiconductor. They took companies like Google, Amazon uh, Public. And I, I thought, uh, this, is, this is a good place to be. So I began to work within this firm. But I said to myself, I said, I never want to take away something that someone else has. And after all, it, my journey would not be about the money. But I said, for me, I need to build a foundation of life and a community with people that, that I want to do business with and, and, and help to problem solve and do strategy. So, so I began to go to work with a phone, a desk, and a chair, and a lot of hard work and determination. And within five years, I had built myself into a position of the second largest partner within the organization with measured by billing base. Within 12 years, I was a 500-pound gorilla. And, and then the managing partner, there were three of us, goes to Hawaii, he dies of a heart attack. Oh, so wow. that leaves me with a partner 30 years older and then myself. And ironically, all along the way, about that time that he passed away, I had just reached the goal of having my seventh child. Wow. 43 years old. So here was, here was the test for me. I was soon to have four kids in college at the same time. You know, a lot of people, they work on college savings and how do we get our kids through? And, and for me, as I, uh, as I thought through this, I thought, you know, I'm only going to have in my timeline of life, one time, one opportunity to have four kids at the same time in college because of the way the kids were spread out. And I thought about how we're going to pay for the college education and, and make all this work. And as I put my, uh, my daughter up to school one day, I stood out on campus and I had this epiphany that the spiritual foundation is a big part of my foundation. And I had this 
very strong impression. I'll, I'll call this impression coming from God. And it said, Alan, you told me when you set up your journey that money would never really matter to you. It would be about the journey. And along the way, you've been blessed, but there's kids and there's people, there's families with greater needs than yours out there. I want you to do something to help the children of disadvantaged families uh, that would never have opportunity to go to school. And I found myself on the middle of campus talking through this. Well, what do you think I should do, God? And it just stayed quiet. So I went back to my wife and I, I explained the experience. And she says, well, Alan, she says, God just gave you an, an invitation. She says, you have to figure out the solution to that problem. And I said, okay, so if you support me in it, I consecrated everything that I have with all of the money in our bank accounts and any liquidity that I had in the stock market. And then I wrote out a home equity check and I put it into this endowment fund. Basically, I went broke, bankrupt, per se, in funding uh, a program for disadvantaged children. And I took the money and I, I gave it to the president of the university who I really didn't know, but I came to find out later that he had just finished a 30 year career at Harvard university. And he flew down, took his whole administration and says, can you tell me why you did that? I said, well, I said, I can tell you what led me to doing that, uh, that, that decision to consecrate. I said, but, but I don't know the solution there. And he says, well, I've been having the same impression that these kids who are dropping out of school and wanting to get back into the system need to have help. And, and he says, and so your money is going to help me to set up a, a transitional program between you know, these high school dropouts and bringing the kids back in. So that program was launched into, I think it's now 17 countries, 1,800 sites, of helping you know, thousands and thousands of kids uh, transition back. It's called Pathways. So we went on, and um, I was excited about that. What I found out along the way is it, it gave me more courage and more hope the, to have the faith to do the things that I felt were important with Foundations of Life. And so I uh, soon after that, I met an individual who you know, he's introduced to me by the university to, um, to come and, and uh, is a thank you, go snowmobiling with him up in a place called Afton, Wyoming. And so we had finished this snowmobile trip. And after, after that in the evening, we were in a large mountain cabin. He says, well, he goes, I'd like to sell you some property up here. And I looked at this individual. I says, I, I said, didn't anybody tell you I am broke? I, I have no money. I, I gave it to the philanthropy office to do this endowment fund. And uh, he kind of looked a little dejected. He was appreciative of what I did. But I said, listen, I said, you got nice property. Why can't you sell this? And so we talked about the problem of Apton. Star Valley was 40 minutes south of Jackson, Wyoming, and no one knew where it was. And I said, Let's create an event by which people can get to know this place. So we went out and um, 
we decided that we'd set up an economic summit. I said, you bring all the locals here and I'll bring uh, Silicon Valley out to Star Valley, Wyoming, and we'll, we'll put on a real show. Well, we came in July of 2008 and the, the banking system had just collapsed in June. The mm. whole town was interested in what was going on. This guy shows up part of the group. And he says, look, he goes, I really like what I heard today. He goes, I have a fishing property that someone just offered me seven and a half million dollars for. He says, I'd like to offer you and your partner a 50% interest in it, give it to you. And my, my partner who'd helped me with this summit says, wow, that's amazing. Give it because yeah, just help bring people up the fish. And I told my partner on the conference, I said, I'm not interested. He goes, Alan, it's free. I said, yeah, but I didn't do my donation. And in my pathway of life, I wasn't doing what I thought was right to get some type of a big remuneration of a property like that. I said, you take it. I said, and I'll help to support you on a mission of bringing people into the valley. And, and so from there... It was a seed money for something called the Bronze Buffalo Club. It was a livestock club. And when we built this thing, we built it with uh, the understanding that it would be for people who were looking at different pathway of life, strengthening families, strengthening relationships. And, um, and we just finished our 10th year of the club. Uh, we usually get about 25 private jets flying in. We have 400 members. Congrats. That sounds incredible. And, and the people in there are amazing. We had like this year, we had Paul Ryan on the program, former Speaker of the House. We had uh, John Cushman of Cushman Wakefield and the CEO of Colliers. We had the president of the Federal Reserve Board come speak on. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting group. And I, I, I kind of pride myself in helping to put the seed together, but not taking any uh, economic interests. And so this network per se has been able to help many, many, many people as they're searching through their life to, to get to the next level, understanding foundations of finance and you know, what's going on in the world today. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. And I love your story because there's just so many like breadcrumbs that have led to where you are. And it's really impressive to see the decisions that you can make in the face of what the cultural norm is. I love that you were able to slow down enough to hear God's voice in your life, because I think most people are so busy that they can't hear it. And I think it's just so cool that you were able to honor what you heard. And then obviously we see the blessings that have come from that. Uh, that is just so cool. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I um, recently sold my home. And so my home studio is, is no longer. And uh, I've been searching for a real good studio in the interim before our new place is ready. And uh, I have all these, you know, fun ideas on this new studio I'm going to build. But in the interim, this is kind of like my my holding pattern, and I've got uh, this is actually a, a pretty cool location right downtown in Austin. And I said for my you know first episode back in a different place, it'd be really fun to just have an incredible person with such a brilliant story, and that's you. 
You know, this is just an unbelievable way to kind of uh, kick my series off in a new location. So I'm very appreciative of that. And, you know, it's uh, there's so many questions I could ask through this because you could have easily stayed at the IRS. You could have easily stayed at one of the big four. You could have started your own practice from scratch. You could have bought out your partner sooner. But timing just seemed to be perfect. I mean, just spot on for you, which is cool. Well, you know, in life, Justin, we only get one shot at every stage of life, 20 years, 30 years old, 40, 50. And, and before we know it, we're, we're through life. There's another part of the story that I, I want to add in that I started in this podcast called American Dreams. And I wanted to talk to people about their, their life story. So I began to talk about the people that started Accenture and built it to 350,000 employees. What inspired you to do this? I talked about one of my other guests, Scott McNeely, who started Sun Microsystems. He was always in competition with Larry Ellison for you know, <laughs> the, the dominance of the internet industry. Tough guy to be in competition with, I tell you. <laughs> It, 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 and and what I found is this, that every one of us is living our own story. Every one of us, as we go through life and we take the risks, we'll learn from the process. It's never about the money. That the foundationally, what I really felt was important for me to understand is that that as, as decisions were made, they needed to be made with faith, some hope, some vision. I find that in this, in this pandemic that we're in, and I've done over 1,100 podcasts, and the interesting thing is that every walks of religion, culture, these people are coming together. And, and so we, we talk, we often get into spirituality. And I say to myself, I said, here we are, Going through life, one of the common threads in spirituality is praying, praying to God. And there are some people that believe uh, through Christianity or the Jewish faith or even the Hindu. The Hindu, I found, they're, they're monotheistic. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of misconceptions. But in today's world, what social media has provided to us is this polarization between a belief system on is it government, is it restrictions, or is it free markets and capital? And that polarization has been enhanced by the fact that social media allows us to collaborate with the communities that we agree with. So the middle ground is disappearing. And our children are caught into the mix of this generation that's coming up. And I, I, what I find here is that for the people that believe in free markets, a lot of these are the, the capitalists, it has a tremendous opportunity in the market with, with the disruption. People, uh, a few years ago, I launched a lifestyle club and it was helping people take back their freedom. I don't do investments. I use investment advisors. And I collaborate with teams, but we try to put people in teams of collaboration with like-mindedness to get 
them to the next level. And I find that in the society today that we live in, it's the day of collaboration. It used to be the day of money, leverage, and how do we how do we take advantage? This is a day of collaboration of how do we problem solve and who is needed to get us to the next level. And these pandemics, I guarantee you, these trials are going to become increasingly more intense. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my online course. As a listener, you probably know my story. In under two years, I had multiplied my net worth to over eight figures and my investments were generating enough passive income for my wife and me to quit our jobs. Since launching the Lifestyle Investor book and podcast, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how I was able to accomplish this in such a short period of time and how they can start investing just like I do. My methods are unconventional, but I've always wanted to share my strategies and help as many people as possible accomplish financial freedom. And while the podcast is loaded with lots of alternative investment advice from both myself and my guests, it's not intended to be a comprehensive system that walks you through my step-by-step process. That's why I decided to create the Lifestyle Investor Course, a roadmap for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of lifestyle investing. Anyone can use my system, no matter what level they're at in their investing career. So if you want all my strategies for creating passive income and building wealth conveniently packaged up into a simple to follow course, visit justindonald.com forward slash course for all the details. Now let's get back to the show. That's a good point. And it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is exactly that, you know, we're you know, kind of exiting the the tail end of a pandemic. I mean, I guess some people could say we're still in it. I think some people say we're out of it. But regardless, it's been an interesting last year and a half. And I feel like there are different things today that make a business really take off and do well than maybe what there was before. There's certainly some similarities, but I'm curious from your perspective, like how do you make a business thrive in challenging economic times where there's tons of adversity that needs to be overcome? Well, I think that's an excellent question. And, and the, the key is to collaborate with the right, uh, it's finding the right who, who is needed to pull me through into the next level. We talk about AI, we talk about technology, but, but ultimately, you know, it, it's, it's us having a vision and a foundation and the faith to move forward into the face of this adversity. I remember when the pandemic first came out, it was kind of like deer in the headlights. All my employees were stuck. They were, we don't know what to do. And uh, I said, I'll tell you what we do. We keep marching up the hill because no one's going to do it for you. And I think that today you are going to draw more as adversity comes, you can draw more in your foundation. For example, you know, a person com- comes into a near-death experience, doesn't get up and say, now let me go look at the stock market, see where my portfolio's at, right? Right. Foundationally, they're saying, it's my family. It's like right before Steve Jobs passed away, Steve says, you know, here I you know, have billions of dollars. I have all these scientific accomplishments and achievements. And now within a matter of days, 
I'm going to pass away. He goes, all of these things that I focused in on were not, did not have a lot of meaning because they'll stay behind because what's important though is my family and my relationships. And I think that foundation itself, the money will follow as you solve the problems, but the problems are this next generation needing the guidance, the love, love within the households. And I, I, I feel that also collaborating with the right friends and helping them out loving. There was an individual on my show recently. She's a cancer survivor. And she made it her life mission to replace the minefields with vineyards. And she spent over the last 10 years in Afghanistan. And uh, when the recent events for Afghanistan came out, she had 350 employees stuck. Wow. So we talk about it. And she's... Uh, it, it's give every one of us is going to have our story to tell, Justin. And I, I think finding, finding what our story is, is important and then writing about it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Alan, it's, it's incredible. The things that you've been able to do, the things that you've been able to accomplish. I tell people all the time that the greatest lessons can be learned by people with a lot of wisdom who are close to the end. Maybe they already know it, like in the Steve Jobs scenario, or maybe they're just older in age. And, you know, if you really want to figure out what values matter most, I mean, we all have these values that we think are important at a certain age, and then we get a little older and it changes and so on and so forth over the years. But if you take a very wise person, someone that is well-studied, that has learned a lot, that has a lot of experiences, and you ask them, what's the most important thing? What, what do you regret in life? What do you wish you had done more of? Every single time, it is relationship-oriented. It's, I wish I had spent more time with my family or my friends, or I'm so glad that I did these things because these are the memories that I have. It's not about the money. It's not about the possessions. It's, it's not about any of that. It's, it's something deeper. And a lot of people will say, hey, I'm glad that I fulfilled my calling you know, during my time here on earth and, uh, or, or, you know, worked hard to really pursue, you know, that and, and being a beacon of light. Uh, so I just, I love that example with Steve jobs. And I love just the fact that, you know, you live this and I hope more people recognize the power and the importance of relationships. And especially in such a polarizing time like we have today, that you're, you're talking, you're spot on because the right is getting more far right. The left is getting more far left. There are a lot of people in the middle, but you don't really hear that voice. You know, the middle disappears. It's, it's a smaller group that identifies there. But I think the issue that I see is that people put politics over relationships they put vaccines over relationships. They put, you know, COVID protocols over relationships. And to me, I feel like relationships should be number one. Like that trumps everything. You can disagree on politics. You can disagree on how you run your business. You can disagree on how you invest money. It's all, I mean, you're going to disagree about a ton of stuff. What's disagree on what your favorite movie is. So to me, I feel like too many people are falling into the trap of social media and this cultural move to create polarization in our nation when what people should do is put relationships first. And if you have a disagreement, you say agree to disagree. But 
that doesn't mean we can't be friends and it doesn't mean we can't have civilized, intelligent conversation around important issues. And there are probably more issues that people agree on than disagree on. So I just love your value of relationships because to me, that is the greatest treasure that we have here uh, during our time on earth. You know, I had a, uh, so I was once a member of a UN delegation and we went to Geneva, Switzerland. We drafted a resolution. We had uh, 87 countries represented. It was in seven different languages. I had the, you know, I had an opportunity to meet the ambassador to Sudan and, and uh, we had uh, delegations from Iran and Iraq. It's interesting, all these uh, quote nations that were not inside the Western bubble there they were in the same room. And we were drafting a resolution together with every major religion in the world represented, Christian, Hindu, uh, Jewish, atheist, we had people out of Russia. And it was, it was interesting that what we collaborated with is every one of us had a mother and a father. And it was the world, it, it was a family unit that held us together, but the, but, but the, the relationships within the home, and then we expand out to our community inside of that, you know, that that's ultimately, that's what jobs is trying to bring out is, Hey, you know, don't forget the importance of, of your family and taking time for your spouse and your children. And prioritizing it first, right? So like spouse, child or children, you know, friends, other family, and then, you know, everything else, work, vocation, whatever. I'll have people say, well, how do I become wealthy? And I said, well, hang out with wealthy people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you measure wealth in different ways. Yeah. And if you study the life of somebody who has truly been blessed financially, you'll find that oftentimes they view it more of a stewardship of giving money away for causes and helping others uh, around them. There's no doubt. And another way that you can meet wealthy people is to just start a club like you did, where you just get all these great, you know, successful people to all hang out. I think that's brilliant. Nicely done. I, I mean, Alan, you couldn't have done it better. Get a fishing rod, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, with, with as well connected as you are, the high profile people that you know, I mean, you probably have endless stories, but and at some point in time, we'll have to, you know, dig into some of these, some of the more fascinating ones. But I wanted to talk with you about family offices because this is kind of like a buzz word or phrase here nowadays, you know, maybe the last three or four years where so many people want to talk about their family office. And number one, I'd love for you to share what a family office is. And number two, I'd love to hear your relationship with family offices and what that looks like. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this setup, um, there are multi-family offices where many families can contribute assets to be managed by a team. And then there's a single family office where you might be a family that is wealthy enough or financially, the, the financial component of wealth, you know, financially set in a way where you can have a whole team, a whole office dedicated to the investment arm of your estate. And so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Alan. Thank you for the introduction, single family versus multifamily. We, we actually run at, at Groco a multifamily office. 
and um, and and what it represents is is individuals that have a substantial means of, you know, we start at twenty five million on up, but our core competency is a hundred million to over multi billion. And why they use us is is basically they're looking at two things. First of all. You know, the people that have that type of money don't view themselves as having substantial means. And they're often combated with individuals that when they're getting close to them, they're trying to get close to them for the wrong reasons. We want to get close so that you can give us some of what you have. Quite frankly, I don't care. I, I, I really don't care. I, I, I say, if you want to use us, I'll have a team of people come in and we'll look at your family goals. We'll look at what you're trying to accomplish. And, and then we'll, we'll basically give you a back office so that you can sleep well at night. And, um, and then I let you stay in control of, of your money. I don't do investments. I use investment advisors, well-vetted investment advisors. And then the other thing a multifamily office will do is we can find access to investment opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be there. And I'm, I'm talking about on the venture capital world. And, and, and so we opened that, uh, that arm, but what people enjoy is, is we come in, we'll put a team of three, five, 10 people in place. And then we just charge a fixed monthly retainer, you know, for, for providing services in there. And as people in society today, there's this thing about the polarization. And I, I don't, mix politics and business together because I have people on both sides of, of the political arena. But when I talk about freedom, I'm talking about the only thing that we have finite in life is, is our time. And so people that have financial means of say that a person has a hundred million dollars cash and they say, well, I'm going to go put in the real estate market. Well, once they start to invest in the real estate market, it's going to take time, time to look at what's going on. A lot of clients say, I don't want to put that much time in. I want somebody to do that and return a report for me, our car collections. And, and so that's basically what a multifamily office does is um, I'm the voice piece for the team. And, um, and we come back and we'll do a reporting. And it's just, it's a well-experienced team of, of helping families to stay, preserve time. Basically. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Alan, for sharing that. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on just that, but uh, we've got to wrap things up now and uh, just appreciate your time. Um, we'll be able to share in the show notes just where people can learn more about you. And I want to end this episode the way I end all the episodes, and that's this. Take some form of action today towards living a life with more freedom, a life by design, a life with financial independence so that you can truly live out your life's desires. And so I just want to challenge you and ask you, what is the single one step you can take today to moving towards financial freedom and a life by design? Thanks for checking in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. 
And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.